welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Tuesday Not So Deep Dive episode on Chit Chat Money. Today, we're going to be talking Roblox, and this is one of our first revisited episodes. So this is going to be called Roblox Revisited. Um, Roblox we covered in 2020, right at the end of 2020. So about a year and a half ago, we covered them right before our IPO with Ian. But today we have Brad on the show. Brad, um, have you talked about Ro- or researched Roblox before? Do you know anything about the company before you uh, got prepared for this episode? Uh, just because of how much I'm on Twitter, I- I've definitely seen people talk about it, but I haven't myself dug in at all until today. All right. And Ryan, I know you followed them, but how much recently have you followed this company? I still look at earnings just because it's pretty interesting business. And this was really one where everyone thought COVID was kind of the peak. And I'll kind of talk about that. I'll give some context into uh, what we talked about last time we visited them. Um, but it, it's kind of evolved since and it's proved out to be a bit of a sustainable platform. So, uh, it'll be kind of nice to talk about the evolution that we've seen over the last year. Yeah. This is one of those companies that kind of climbs the wall of worry or has climbed the wall of worry. So that could be the kind of story here, but I'll let Ryan really talk about the context and then what they do. Ryan, you have something I should also mention that Brett is in Mexico. So uh, if you hear any lag or if we interrupt each other, uh, just bear with us because we uh, we're, we're no longer in the same room. Yep, we have three people on Zoom uh, now, but let's get into the show. Uh, we're going to talk about our ad first potential multi-baggers. So the aim of potential multi-baggers is to find stocks that can go up 10x over the next 10 years or compound at 26% per year. This is a service, an investing service that is trying to find those high growth, high quality compounders. For example, they pick things like Shopify at $77 a share. That was actually their first pick ever. So coming out of the gates with a fantastic recommendation and then Cloudflare at $39 a share, plenty of others. Potential multi-baggers picks stocks, high-growth stocks to hold them for a very long period of time. Of course, they have to continue performing well to hold them. So Chris and the team behind Potential Multi-Baggers calls this buy and verify. So they're going to be giving you research all the time. Basically, uh, I don't get emails to my inbox every day but at least once a week and typically multiple times per week, especially during earnings season, giving you updates on how a company is doing, whether they're going to keep, you know, a position in the portfolio or take things out. It's a fantastic service to go along with yourself if you are a high growth investor. And if you want to become a multi and join the service, you can go to Seeking Alpha and look for From Growth to Value, Google it, or go to at From Value on Twitter. All right, Ryan, do you want to introduce Roblox and give some context of what we were thinking and the market was thinking during the late 2020 period. Yeah. So I'll start with the business model for anyone that's unfamiliar. I think a lot of people have probably heard of Roblox, whether uh, you 
whether you have kids that play or just like have heard of the game in general, it's pretty popular. So their mission is to build a human co-experience platform. Uh, pretty much it's an online platform primarily engaged with through mobile um, mobile devices where users can find games that have been built by developers. So Roblox itself is not a game, um, but more of a virtual world where users can look to engage in different experiences that are created by other users. So there are 27 million active user-generated experiences to choose from. And then Roblox, you basically have this ad, uh, this avatar, which I think is called like your Bloxy or something like that. Um, and it, and you can basically go into all these different experiences, different kind of worlds. And not even, some of them are games, but some of them are like you're delivering pizza. Like it's not even a game. It's just kind of like an experience that you're in there for. And there's a really social aspect to it. That's kind of what's driven the a lot of the user adoption is this is sort of the digital playground. I think a lot of people have used that word before where kids are interacting now. Um, and so I guess in terms of how Roblox makes money, there's the, so they have their, it's free to download and then you can purchase Robux, which is their in-game virtual currency. You can spend those Robux in the different experiences and that it varies on depending how the developer wants you to spend money. So let's say the uh, developer creates like, so there's a Grand Theft Auto type game within Roblox. Like someone's created basically a Grand Theft Auto world. He could, or he or she could say, you ha if you want like the nicest new car, you got to spend this much Robux essentially. And then the developer can either cash that out for real cash or they can keep it within their ecosystem. So within the Robux and they'll keep a higher take rate on that if they keep it as Robux. And then the developers can spend Robux on different, uh, like there's a developer marketplace. So you could buy something that another developer created with Robux. Um, and you get to keep more of it if you keep it that way. Um, and then eventually you can obviously cash out and Roblox takes their portion of that, which I think is like 75% take rate for Roblox. If I'm getting that right, I, I that's kind of just off the top of my head, but. Yeah, I have, uh, I believe so uh, the developers, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I think over the last three months, they kept 26% of revenue. I think they want to increase that over time, but it is about a 75 split to Roblox, the company, 25% to the developer right now. It's from okay. Roblox. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's good take for it. <laughs> and then uh, it, it has really grown like almost into, like I said, a cultural phenomenon. Like this is the digital playground. So for reference, 50% of kids in the U.S. under the age of 16 played Roblox in 2020, and then three quarters of kids ages uh, 9 to 12 in the U.S. are on Roblox. So it's super popular. Um, if you're trying to picture this in your head, too, um, and maybe you've seen like pictures of Roblox before, the graphics are a little blocky and not like they don't seem super realistic, although some of the experiences are becoming more realistic um, and the worlds that are kind of built within this platform are becoming more and more, uh, I guess you could say immersive. They don't feel as like childish, I guess. It really depends how the developer builds it. Um, and then I, I think that pretty much, unless I'm missing anything, there's 10 million developers and 47 million daily active users. Um, and so I, I guess this is a good time to go back and add some context. We looked at this right before their IPO um, and their 
they IPO'd at a market cap of like 38 billion. Today they stand at 40 billion roughly. Um, and at the time, our biggest concerns were can this scale up the age demographics? Can they retain users as they grow older? And I believe it was also around sustainability. And all of that has proven out. So daily active users went from 31 million last time we talked to 47 million today. Um, the 13 and older has been their fastest growing bracket um, of age demographics and hours engaged has continued to go up as well. So sustainability has all proved out this last year, despite quote unquote, tough comps. Um, and then uh, I guess as far as history goes, the company was, I guess you could say it was started in 1989 because David Bazuki, who's the today the CEO and Brad will talk about him, developed a simulation software program for, uh, it was basically like educational simulation software for physics. And he built that into a company called the Knowledge Revolution. And at the time he hired, um, or at some point during that company's uh, existence, he hired Eric Cassell to the company. Um, and then they ran that until 1998. They were acquired by another software company in 1999 for $20 million. Um, and they worked there for about five years. But in 2004, both Eric Cassell and Dave Bazuki left to found Roblox. They officially launched the product in 2006. And then they've obviously evolved the platform little by little since then. Um, and the, I guess the good thing is the platform has evolved a lot on its own. Um, and so really their job is just to build the tools for developers to build the platform. Um, and then uh, I guess other notable things, uh, Eric Cassell unfortunately passed away in 2013 um, and the company IPO'd last year. So March 10th, 2021, it's been almost a year. There is not a 10K out yet. Uh, but it should be out soon. Uh, yeah, and I'll hit the industry yeah. landscape competition. Um, gosh, this is a unique business. So they're really building out their own model. And they try to say that they're TAM, you know, quote unquote. I know we're not big TAM fans here, but they, they draw in three different categories. And that is entertainment in general. So think more like video entertainment, movies, that type of stuff. They're competing with social media aspects. Like Ryan mentioned, is a very social platform a lot of the kids on there are treating it as their social media. And then they also compete with video games. And that's the one most well-known to people. So they're competing kind of as the YouTube of video games. But again, it is more for the younger kids right now. Each of those categories has over $100 billion spent on it a year. So you really don't, there's no <laughs> addressable market concerns with this company. It's, they can, if they execute on their plan, they can be as big as they possibly want. And each of those categories has billions of users or watchers or whatever around the globe. Essentially, their potential user base, and this might sound like I'm uh, blowing a little smoke here, but it, it, it converges to the entire global population over time if they can execute on what they uh, are planning here. So again, it's, it's all on execution for them. Industry, it's not really too much of something I don't think you need to analyze because it's not about the industry. They're building out their entire new, like an entirely new industry on their own. However, they have tons and tons of competitors. That includes mobile gaming companies, probably first and foremost, social networks like Instagram and TikTok, but really the stuff like Snapchat or maybe even YouTube as well that are focusing on the younger people, maybe people that are under 24, and then video and movie entertainment. Essentially, again, 
It's a very wide competitive landscape. They're competing for time spent on digital entertainment. And that's kind of how I used to like to think about it. All right, Brad, you want to talk about their management and ownership? Yeah. So this, the founder and CEO, uh, or one of the founders, I guess, and CEO, uh, RIP to Eric, is, is David Basaki, as, as Ryan uh, talked about. So he was a, he's been a serial, serial entrepreneur throughout his entire career. Um, as Ryan talked about, he founded um, Knowledge Revolution, which became, and I quote from LinkedIn, the uh, volume leader in educational physics. Um, he also founded uh, Basaki and Associates, where, which was an angel investing firm. He was only there for two years um, while well, he was also, or, and then, then also um, he was the VP, he was a vice president and general manager at MSC Software, which is, and I quote again from LinkedIn, the world's largest vendor of uh, mechanical simulation software. And they actually bought Knowledge Revolution. So he founded Revolution, worked for this company for a few years, and then he founded Roblox um, 17 years ago. Uh, so uh, he doesn't, I mean, I mean he, he does, he's, not one, he's not one of those founders and CEOs who worked for Google and climbed the ladder there. So like, he doesn't have a, a ton of notable experience, but every single thing he's touched has, has succeeded meaningfully. Um, and, and I mean, it, it's Roblox is certainly no exception. And he's got an, an 88% Glassdoor rating, which we always... Love to see with the with a few hundred rate or a few hundred reviews. Uh, the chief product officer uh, probably has the most impressive resume on the executive team. It's Manuel Bronstein uh, or Manuel. I'm sorry, if, I'm not sure which one is um, it is. So I apologize if I'm wrong. Um, he's only been there for a year. He's a, a board of directors member at the New York Times. Uh, he was a former VP of Google Assistant for three years. He was a former VP of product at YouTube before that as well. He's been a VP at Zynga and Xbox. And he also worked for AOL, but we will, we will try not to hold that against him because um, his, his, other, his other credentials are, are very solid. But uh, joking aside, the, the chief business officer is Craig Donato. He's a former VP of uh, business development in nextdoor.com. Uh, he le- actually led them to monetization. And then the, he was a former VP at QVC, uh, which uh, is, is it's, the show, it's the television channel where you shop like Lori Grenier or, or the Shark Tank lady is, is the QVC lady. So uh, see, I don't really know about QVC other than that, which is a little sad, but that's okay. The CFO is Mike Guthrie. Uh, he's been there for four years. Uh, he's a former CFO at TrueCar. Uh, that, that's that's his most notable experience. And then ownership. So uh, Dave, actually, according to the most recent information we have access to, I, I believe there has been some insider selling. And I also um, believe that we'll get a proxy statement soon that will update uh, these numbers. But as of the last official uh, direct primary source we have, uh, Dave owns 100% of the Class B float and 1.7% of the Class A float for 70% of the voting power. Altos Ventures owns about 7% of the voting power through their hefty stake in Class A, which is around 24%. Uh, they actually bought $350 million in stock uh, in April 2020 from a lot of selling executives. Uh, so I, th- I thought that was interesting to note. Uh, looks like uh, Dave's brother, Greg, who also helped him with Knowledge Revolution and uh, was was really has been has been involved with his pro- professional career from from the beginning. Really, um, he owns three point two percent of Class A, uh, and then none of the other executives are mentioned as having hefty stakes in the company. I mean, I'm sure they have options packages which will which, which will mature and and pay them handsomely. Um, but it also looks like Class A uh, is mainly, aside from Dave, uh, owned almost almost entirely by institutions. So. Very small float being traded. Um, it looks like via the really hefty institutional ownership. And Ryan, what's up? Yeah, we actually talked to uh, Honam. Uh, Brett and I talked to Honam a while back, who runs Altos Ventures, um, oh. and the, he. We talked to him about Roblox, and they invested really early. And I believe they invested 
pretty much throughout Roblox's life. As they got bigger, they continued to invest in it. And Honam said he continues to hold, uh, even though they're a public company today. And like you said, they've been buying from the selling shareholders. Um, and so it was kind of interesting to see how much, uh, from his point of view, it was really like a people's business. And he's just, it, that was really sort of a, a time arbitrage thing where his time horizon was much longer than everyone else's. And he's like, uh, we like Roblox and I'm just going to keep owning it. I have no reason to sell. So it's pretty interesting to hear it from his perspective. Brad, did you have anything yeah, to add? Yeah. Also, his ventures publicly, you know, they've said that uh, they really, really think strongly of Roblox's management. And uh, it's tough because it's just kind of anecdotal and it's someone else saying that. But it is nice to see because management is so important for a business like this. But I'll hit valuation. Uh, Brad, you talked about stock options. And yeah, that was a good teaser. They got a lot of them out there. So market cap is $37.29 billion. So basically $37.3 billion. Ticker is RBLX. Enterprise value is $35.4 billion. So they have a good amount of cash on the balance sheet. And as Ryan will go into, uh, they are cash flow positive. So I think the EV is the relevant metric here. Trailing 12-month EV to bookings is 13.6. Now, bookings, you might be confused with if you don't follow the video game industry. Um, we don't need to go into the exact details, but in all reality, for Roblox, bookings are revenue. Um, and their EV to bookings is 13.6. So pretty expensive compared to a lot of the other video game companies, but not you know in the 20 or 30 range like a lot of the high-growth stocks are. Trailing 12-month EV to free cash flow is 58.9, so very expensive. Those are really the two things I'm looking at from a multiples perspective. Their net income gap earnings get totally messed up because of all the deferred revenue they have to do. So really, I'm looking at free cash flow and uh, kind of trying to slap on a multiple for this company. $156 million in total dilutive securities outstanding right now versus $578 million total shares outstanding. This includes $57 million that are available under the equity incentive program. So it's hard to tell when this is all going to come out to the common shares outstanding, but dilution is likely going to be 20 to 30% cumulatively over the next five to seven years. However, this is, you know, maybe a better for people that hate dilution, which, you know, as longtime listeners of the show know, I'm kind of a hater on stock-based compensation and stuff like that. They have only granted 8 million dilutive securities through the first nine months of this year. So that's hopefully a better pace than what they were doing as a private company. All right, Ryan, do you want to hit earnings? Yeah, their bookings for the first nine months of the year were one point basically $2 billion. And that was up 58% versus the same period a year ago. And like Brett said, pay attention to bookings over revenue. They have to recognize uh, Robux. They have to recognize revenue over the life of Robux purchases, but really it's cash in the door. Uh, bookings is representative of actual cash that's coming in the door. Uh, and then Free cash flow for the first nine months was $481 million. So 36% free cash flow margins. Uh, as Brett said, they do spend a hefty chunk on SBC. So keep in mind that 20 to 30% roughly dilution number over the next five to seven years. 
Um, they had 47.3 million daily active users. That was up 31% year over year. Hours engaged were up 28% year over year. Their bookings per their average bookings per daily active user was actually down a little under 2% versus a year ago. I believe a lot of that is probably due to their uh, international expansion. So Asia Pacific was their fastest growing region for users. That was up 75% year over year, while US and Canada was up only 6%. So if you have areas that are growing really really quickly that have lower GDP per capita, uh, they're probably just likely to spend less, and that's probably going to drag down your bookings per user. Um, and then uh, users 13 and over was growing 48% year over year, whereas uh, users 13 and under was growing just 20% year over year. So they are really either they're, either their user cohorts are sticking with them as they age or they're adding new users above uh that are older than 13 um they're attracting those as well and that is really answering a lot of analysts concerns um because they're able to attract them and i think they account for i want to say it's more than 50 percent of overall users are now 13 and older so it they are and i don't know if that just means 14 but it uh it's it's good to see them kind of aging up with the platform. Brad, you want to hit balance sheet and liquidity? For sure. So the company has uh, about $2 billion in cash and equivalents on hand. Um, it raised another billion in senior notes at a 3.875% interest rate in October 2021. Uh, that's, that's pretty much its entire debt load, I, I believe, at this time. And then it's free cash flow positive, as we talked about. So uh, yes, there's some debt, but the interest rate's really favorable. It's profitable and it has a lot of cash um, on the balance sheet. So nothing really concerning here. Yeah, great balance sheet. Uh, that note, that senior note they put out, it's interesting that they did that because it kind of indicates to me that they kind of that they want to reinvest really heavily right now because they don't really need that and they're not really in a position to buy back stock that would be anything meaningful. So the fact that they did that on a 2030 note, I believe, pretty cheap interest rate. It kind of leads me to believe that free cash flow might be going down in the near term because they see a lot of room for reinvestment, but that might be reading through the tea leaves too much. Um, either way, really, really clean balance sheet. All right, let's hit the ad break. We'll get back and do more analysis on Roblox stock. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. All right, welcome back in. Next up, we have anecdotal evidence. We'll kick things over to Brad first. What do you have for us? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, much of a gamer outside of Backyard baseball growing up and, and NCAA football dynasty mode was my favorite. So RIP there and hopefully we'll get it back soon. But yeah, no Roblox uh, evidence for me. For me, it's, uh, yeah, I haven't really played Roblox, but I watched a lot of videos kind of prepping for this, like just YouTube videos of uh, trying to get like a grasp on the Roblox platform. And some of the experiences looked pretty sweet. There's like, I, I looked up most realistic Roblox 
experiences. And there was like 10 that were basically just replications of other games within the Roblox universe. And a lot of them, or, or just not even, not even games, like just digital media worlds. Um, and they're pretty cool. It's like, I could, I can see the attraction. I could see how you spend. I think there was people were spending on average, like 2.6 hours a day on Roblox during, I think that was a number in the S one. And I could see how you can just kind of get lost in it and just play it nonstop. Um, Brett, have you played it at all? Yeah. I mean, I downloaded it for anecdotal evidence purposes, got lost right away. I mean, it, it's too young for focused for us right now. I think, um, as if anyone that looks at the videos, it really is majority of it is focused on, you know, younger teenagers. And I don't know, it's seemed crowded. It seemed crowded for me. Um, I had a hard time finding like what a game would be, but again, I think that's just because these are more social experiences for kids. But on the flip side, that kind of makes me think how difficult is it going to be for them to get that 20 to 30 year old cohort age cohort, because are they going to have to make things like totally separate? Are they going to have to really get their discovery algorithm up? That's something that it's, it's going to be, uh, I don't know. It's something that we'll probably discuss in our highlights and lowlights and maybe, uh, bull case bear case more interested, but I did end up watching part of their long investor day that they recently did in November. It was four hours. So I can't say that I watched every single minute of it, maybe only an hour of it, but the team seems very sharp. Um, the stuff they are working on specifically with audio stuff and then visual where they have this cool thing where if a camera's on you and then you make a facial expression. Now, some people might think this is a bit basic, but if like you have a camera on you and you make a facial expression, your avatar copies it pretty you know closely. So that's kind of cool, very uh, difficult things they're working on technologically to get these avatars really lifelike. And um, hopefully that leads to, you know, more profits down the road. All right, let's move into future growth opportunities. Brad, what, what, do, you, what do you think uh, Roblox should be working on or maybe could be working on? Yeah, programmatic advertising. Um, <clears throat> I'm thinking about all these new virtual worlds that could be lined with billboards and brand sponsorships and, and all of those things, just like uh, the real world is. And, and hopefully uh, Trade Desk will have a big piece of that like, they, like they're um, having for Walmart and Home Depot and all those other companies. But that point aside... Um, even, I mean, within these virtual worlds, it's really easy to show 10 different people, um, the, the same billboard within a virtual world with 10 different ad, ad placements that are each more relevant to, to that one person. So there's a lot of flexibility here and a lot of ability to target, especially considering they have this massive base of first party data. Um, yeah, I think they could, they could, they, I'm sure they are doing a lot here and I think they can probably do a lot more over time. I think they want to so there was an interesting question on the conference call where someone said that like there were other companies being set up that would put that would uh advertise for brands in roblox and they basically said like do you have any plans to like sort of like remove them um in sort of the value chain and they it sounded like they really want their advertisements to be unique, like brands being able to do really sort of like uh, cool experiences. Like, so artists do concerts on there or uh, I mean, Brett, you're going to talk about some of the fashion ones that you've seen, like the, you can just build your own world. It wouldn't make any sense for some of these. I, I wouldn't think it makes any sense. Um, but Brett, do you want to get into yours? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I just wanted to add on to this with the advertising part. They are really like holding back on the potential here because I think the average player or average daily user is on Roblox for 2.6 hours per day. So if they were kind of under the Facebook mindset, maybe, or, you know, something like that, they could be monetizing this extremely heavily um, and probably generating, I don't know, maybe not 10 billion, but, you know, at least a billion in advertising revenue if they want it. It kind of, you know, it tells me that they're playing the long game here and they're really focused on something that is not like they're going to add advertising over time. And that's definitely something that, you know, Brad, you're talking about that they are focusing on that, but they're not just going full, you know, kind of, all right, we're going to throw on an ad every, every 30 seconds for our players here. Brian, did you have something else to add? Yeah. It's just like, my question is how does that bog down the user experience at any point? Like it's such a fine line, you know? Yeah, I guess. History proves no, because almost all the other social platforms are able to do a pretty high, a way higher ad load than Roblox, but it is kind of nice that they're so profitable without having to do that at all. Yeah. All right. What's your, uh, what's your future growth opportunity? Yeah, I think, you know, it's fashion, like you alluded to, as everyone knows, um, you know, I'm really up in the fashion world. No, that's it's complete opposite. But if you're older, this type of fashion stuff within Roblox could seem strange, and it definitely is strange, but they had stuff called like Gucci Gardens and this British award show that was put on as, you know, the, within, I don't know if they're, I think they were probably just certain like games almost where like you go to this mode and then there's Gucci Gardens. I don't really know what it was, but these can be big monetization growth drivers for Roblox because the avatars are a huge part of this platform. So there's no surprise that people are willing to pay for luxury goods because that is kind of their, well, it's not kind of, it is their identity within the Roblox universe, this avatar that people are building, um, customizing and buying clothes for. Um, it tells now. All right, Ryan, did you go with yours or do you still have to go? No, I, I still got to go. And it's just like, so the thing that, I was thinking about this for a while, like how do they grow? like? on their own how do they like proactively grow and so even like your example brett is like that isn't them doing it that's just like organic like brands are like getting in the game and adopting these like uh, like trying to build their own experiences and that obviously that generates revenue for uh or generates bookings for roblox but it's not them there's nothing new there like for so for example they have like uh different like partnerships, I guess, with brands like the NFL, they just launched one with uh, Chipotle. There's a Vans world. And I'm not really, I don't really understand how people like are like getting Chipotle in, in Roblox, but um, I, I guess it's, they're kind of using it as just a way to get the message out there. It doesn't, for me, I just don't see Ultimately, the name of the game for Roblox is giving developers the best tools and allowing them to build the platform on their own. I don't see what would be the next step as far as like, I guess, ensuring safety on the platform and building tools is really just the name of the game for them. I, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. And I would note that they're possibly reaching out to these people, but I think a lot of times people, you know, brands are reaching out to them because there's what, almost 50 million DAUs, probably 50 million DAUs on Roblox. Now, these companies want to get exposure 
to those people that are on this platform for two to three hours a day. All right, let's move to highlights and lowlights. Brad, what do you like and dislike about this company? Yeah, I mean, the highlight is, is <laughs> in, a, in an extremely broad brush in general um, point of view is just, I mean, their execution over the last um, 17 years since this was founded has just been consistently admirable. So um, there's been very little execution drama with this company. Uh, besides that, sh- that short report report that came out, that kind of seemed ridiculous to me, even though I don't own shares. Uh, so I, I like to think I'm a little, uh, or I can be objective there. And and um, and yeah, I mean, how how culty this seems within uh, people that are five to ten years younger than us um, is is pr- is just pretty darn impressive. I mean, the only other brand that that comes to mind that that has garnered this kind of support from a from a community is Barstool. Um, and I love Barstool and Penn National Gaming for that very reason. And then Brett, uh, what's up? Do you uh, do you want to go through what that short report was? Because it seems like at first like that type of thing can seem kind of um, like I a huge downside it. risk for Roblox. I can yeah. explain it too. Oh yeah, go ahead. It, it, basically, there was a, a Substack article that came out um, that cited a bunch of uh, incidents of predator type interactions on the platform so a lot of people uh it's sucks that this exists in the world but uh there was like a lot of pedophiles uh exploiting younger people on here by bribing them with robux um and i mean that exists it exists everywhere on the internet unfortunately but um that's a big problem with youtube as well that's a scare that's obviously a scare for parents yeah, uh, yeah Brad, just, uh, they're Brad, focusing a lot on their trust and safety stuff. And that might just be, I know they talk about it like every conference call and every, they talk about it a lot during the investor day, but it is good to see that they really, they're trying to invest heavily into the trust and safety and doing it in a way that's not like Facebook where um, they're just throwing on 10,000 contractors or something like that, where it seems like they're slapping a bandaid on it. Roblox hopefully is doing something that's way more permanent, although the platform does lend itself to stuff, lend itself to stuff like this because, um, you know, you have people chatting with each other, exchanging of current, the virtual currency, all that stuff. Uh, but Brad, do you want to continue on with your highlights and lowlights? Yeah, I'll do lowlight, but, but just, I mean, while we're mentioning Facebook and metaverse, if, if Zuckerberg is ever allowed to make an acquisition of anything ever again, um, Roblox and, and the huge caveat is it's founder led and they've had immense success and there's probably a low chance of them wanting to sell, but Roblox tucked into Facebook and Oculus sounds really compelling to me. But um, th- that aside, uh, I'll, I'll move on to the low light. So also, also considering Facebook and then also now with Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard and talking about this open app store for, for gaming, um, the richest companies in the world are now trying to compete more more directly with Roblox, and um, as a low light, that's about as good as you can as good as you can do. Because I mean, the better you do, the the, the more appealing your industry is, the, the more common this this occurrence is going to be, and it's proof of concept for how lucrative this opportunity is. But at the same time, they're the richest companies in the world, and they're trying to compete with Roblox. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, and, and there's really that, that's the low light. So, I mean, if that's the low light, that that's usually a pretty good sign in, um, in my view. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I mean, the, or go ahead. I'm, I'm just going to hit mine and uh, then I'll put, press it over to you, Brett, but the, um, 
The highlights for me, this is just a wonderful business all around and it's run by a good manager. I mean, if you're thinking of like ideal business models, this has pretty much everything. There's a total flywheel effect. There's user-generated content. Um, and there's even there's a network effect to some extent as well. Um, I think a strong one. Yeah, it just, it's, and it has tons of optionality. So as, as far as just qualitative judgments, there's, this is a great business. Um, Lowlights for me though, I, there was the, I mean, they really got to invest heavily in the trust and safety stuff um, because that can present some like terminal sort of club penguin type risk where if this gets to, if it becomes like a really serious issue, like, and there's like this stigma from parents, like they're not going to let their kids on. Um, But I mean, that's just on them to basically invest in the trust and safety stuff that other than that, there wasn't any big lowlights for me. I really have some questions that if I were going to invest, I wouldn't, these are sort of the questions I'd be looking at, which is, can they evolve enough to attract older people? Um, and that, that means beyond just retaining their existing users as they age. I mean, can they really go out and attract uh, new older users? And then how sustainable is the platform? Uh, I think it's pretty sustainable. I think it's pretty YouTube-like, but it always feels sustainable. Gaming is just, unless you have like a really durable franchise, it, it it's very interests fade quickly and, or, or maybe they don't fade quickly, but they like stall out. I I mean, do you guys agree with that? Disagree with that, Brad? I think I'll just say I came in to Roblox thinking that exact same thing, but your point about how many developers they have on on their platform, actively building them content. um, it, It just seems like now that they've built this massive base of users and of developers, all of the new compelling content will just be built on that platform. So I'm not sure if that'll actually be the case, but I think that is a much higher likelihood just based on how their business model operates. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. The developers part should hopefully mitigate that risk. However, they're going to have to evolve from these um, blocky kid games eventually, because I got to think that type of stuff is going to get tired over time. Eventually it's going to have to get way more and way more immersive. Um, not only to retain those younger users, but to convince the older users to come on. Some of the experiences, while cool and obviously have gone super viral and have so much time spent on them, are a little lacking in um, in graphics right now. But they've obviously made up for that lack of graphics so far. Um, Ryan, did you have anything else on how it's no. going? No. Okay, I'll move into mine. I mean, I do like how much they're doing with the vertical integration mindset. So they run their own cloud. That's something that's outside of my area of expertise of kind of going in through the details of it, but they do highlight that as something that's going to help with their margins long-term. I think they even talked about designing their own ships, but that might be a few years down the line. They have phenomenal cash conversion, even when looking at their bookings, because um, you know bookings is a lot higher than revenue right now. And I think they have a strong competitive advantage versus anyone else that is trying to build out something that is similar to Roblox. Now, I think this is very similar to YouTube, where no one is going to be able to build a user-generated content video platform. However, there are still competitors to YouTube, which would be, you know, Netflix can still exist and be a competitor to YouTube. Roblox is going to have many competitors, say, 
you know, take to interactive Microsoft, Activision Blizzard, whomever. Um, but for anyone that's trying to build and copy their business model, I think it's virtually impossible. Low lights, uh, let's see. Average booking per player is down over the last four quarters. I think mean, that could be a short-term blip that's happened to them in the past. And like Ryan mentioned, that could be because APAC is growing so quickly right now and they had to kind of catch up with that over time. I would watch. That's something I'm going to be watching though. Um, and then the massive, from an investing standpoint, um, they're going to have to spend a lot on trust and safety like we were discussing. So as opposed to say a GTA online, a Grand Theft Auto online, or a Call of Duty online, where not like the whole point of it is to be like a dangerous, stressful situation for people that are like older the age of 18 or maybe older the age of 15. Obviously you don't want you know, pedophiles or anything on there. The whole point is that it's a kind of a dangerous world in GTA or COD. In Roblox, it's the exact opposite. They have to have all these things in there. I just worry a bit that that trust and safety spend is going to be, you know, 10, maybe even 20% of revenue consistently. And that's not detrimental, but I think that could hurt their margins in the long term. And then maybe the biggest low light for me is DAU growth stalling in the US and Europe. Could be, again, short term blip, but it's been a few quarters. And if that continues, I worry about the age up um, stuff and whether it's going quickly as, you know, as they think it will. Um, because if they could age up on their platform over say two decades or something like that. But if in reality with their valuation, um, you're going to need to see age up within the next three to five years, specifically to that 17 to 24 age group. And if DA users are stalling in the US and Europe, I don't think that's a great sign. All right, well, let's move on to bull case. Hold on. The, oh, uh, Ryan, some. Yeah. The, I mean, like I mentioned, three quarters of, kids nine to 12 years old are on this in their more mature markets. So I think people have to like be serious about like market saturation. Like it's going to be the only way they're going to expand those DAUs if it is if they can age up. I mean, they can fill and like they can kind of fill and replace as like people like age, but to really, really grow that DAU line, they have to go to older, especially in their more mature markets, they have to go to older people. Hundred percent, hundred percent. At least in, definitely. But in APAC, at least you have more potential users. I mean, that was growing seventy-five percent year on year, and they have like, I want to say like almost ten million DAUs there. So yeah, there's just a partnership with Tencent too. Yeah, they could have. I mean, they could have a hundred million. Well, maybe not hundred million DAUs, but I mean, uh, China is a, the biggest gaming market in the world. That could be potentially lucrative, but there's that added risk there. Uh, bull case though, Brad, whoa, what do you think you go right here to make this a good investment over the long term? Yeah, the bull case is that this is not uh, a fad. Like I, I think Club Penguin was a good comp, but that, but that this is, just, I think, more of a revolution in that us younger, um, or I guess Gen Zers and, and the younger Gen Zers, and because um, we're old Gen Zers at this point, but. Uh, I, I think it, they they just continue like we're saying to grow up with this game and with this platform and and developers continue to create great content on there instead of on Microsoft's or Facebook's or whatever um, and and yeah yeah for me the bull case I, I guess a few things I'd like to see by uh, I said twenty twenty five on my notes here but within five years a few things I'd like to see are a hundred million total daily active users. Um, 
steady to positive average bookings per user uh, figures, and then 70% of the users being 13 or older. If they can do that, I think this is going to make for a good investment. And then also, I think free free cash flow margins could potentially reach 50% here. Uh, it really is a wonderful business in terms of cash generation. Uh, uh, Brett, what do you have? Yeah, one note on the cash flow margins. Um, the free cash flow margins on revenue look very attractive right now, but on bookings, it's a little less attractive. So I think 50% could be in the cards if App Store payments fees, um, I think they're like 20 to 25% for them right now. If those go down a lot, 50% could definitely be in the cards. But I would be hesitant to say it could reach 50% if App Store fees um, do not come down. Uh, but who knows? Uh, all right, mine. I mean, here I have like four questions I think I'm asking myself as someone who has Roblox on our watch list, can they grow internationally? I think that one's pretty, like, yeah, definitely. Can they age up? Can they maintain engagement? And can they maintain monetization levels over the long term, which would be for me over the next five to 10 years? I think if you can answer those four questions with any sort of level of confidence, there's a good chance this will be a long term compounder. Uh, because, I mean, the video game spend worldwide is probably going to approach 300 billion within this decade that they could easily be doing 30 billion in bookings. They could be doing 50 billion in bookings if they really catch fire and age up. Um, that might seem like a really long ways away from here, but if they can age up, I mean, 20 to 30 year old video game players spend a lot of money. The upside right. here, like the ceiling is incredibly high. With oh, yeah. one of the highest, I mean, I don't want to say, again, this sounds like a half big thing. It's almost infinite upside. It is. Like, I mean, it's kind a of never ending camp. Uh, Tam is just planet Earth. Every everyone's I mean, it's, bull it's, case. Well, it's not planet Earth because it's fake. There's no. It's not. Everyone's bull. Everyone's right. bull case is basically like the Ready Player One Oasis. It, right. If that plays out, we'll we would have been haggling over bookings, like a bookings multiple, and then it, I don't know. Yeah. It, there's there's a very high ceiling. They do. They did mention on the investor day. Bazuki said this kind of as an offhand comment. He said, "Once we go VR, um, we're going to be back. better." What? Sorry, Brad. Once you go VR, you never go back. That's true. You never take the goggles off. He said once they go VR, he said this that uh, they'll be even more immersive, which I think is obvious. But it's kind of you know they're thinking about that type of stuff. Whether the next gaming paradigm is here, I'd also like to see them get on the Switch. I don't know if Nintendo is saying we don't want them as a competitor because they are kind of you know competing with some of our biggest um, user base. But I mean, Roblox pays them twenty percent. You know, uh, for sure, Nintendo. For sure Roblox go. is on the Switch. Is it now? I don't. I think it's only mine. Uh, no, never mind. You're not. Never mind. It's not. Yeah, that's been a big holdup for them. Um, I wonder who is the holdup. Whether it's Roblox or Nintendo, both of the companies are fairly secretive, so it's hard to know. All right, let's move on to bear case. Brad, what, what do you think you go wrong here? Yeah. Uh, so again, if this is my bear case, it's a good sign for the company. But but the richest competition in the world is all going after a piece of this of this massive space, but still going after a piece of this space. So the bear case to me is that they take a large enough chunk um, to place a lower revenue ceiling on Roblox than, than I think all of us are currently assuming. Um, and then also, I mean, yes, the the lowering lowering take rates from a Google or an Apple will help the margins for sure for Roblox, but could it also erode the, the fact that they're taking 
um, from, from, from the developer sourced games that, that they're building on the Roblox platform. I think that's a real possibility. So um, either lower revenue ceiling uh, via just more competition or that competition just eroding take rate, which is really, really favorable right now. I, I don't think Roblox creates so much value for developers. Like it literally gives them, there's no other place where they could do what the, what developers do here. So I think they really have like whatever take rate they want. I mean, you obviously don't want to like piss off your own users, but it's, uh, I think it's proportional to how much value they provide. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a competitive world is definitely one of the low lights. And then um, my bear case is, it really is the age thing. Um, and I know people harp on this. And if you listen to all the conference calls, like this is every analyst seems to be asking questions around age demographics and they have like the 13 and older figure, but I'm, it, I keep asking myself, what would it take for me to get on this platform? And it would take a lot and it would take a huge improvement from where it is today. I, I just think this fades off other than predators. I think this fades off after the age of like 20. Um, and they, there has to be sort of a step change in like how lifelike the platform is before I'm back, before I'm on there. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, it you can't erode the existing experience for younger people. Yeah, I agree. That's the biggest conundrum. That's my bear case as well, is they can't age up. If they don't age up, or sorry, if they do age up, I mean, this is a company that's likely worth hundreds of billions of dollars versus the market cap today or enterprise value today of $35 billion and super cash flow generative. So like they can return a ton of cash to shareholders. But if they don't, I I mean, you know, maybe this company is worth as much as they are right now. But if they're only limited to teenagers and below that, you know, that's just allowance money. Like that, that's not, it's not, it's not that lucrative uh, over the long Oh, it's 2 billion in bookings. That's, I mean, a lot of allowance. globally, that's not that much. <laughs> but it is, I think it's like, it's $13 average monthly bookings per DAU is, I think that's the, I think it's a monthly figure. Maybe it's a quarterly figure. So $13, I mean, yeah, that's, it's not a ton of money. The question I think they have to ask is, and maybe the developers on Roblox have to ask this, is how do I convince Call of Duty players? How do I convince Fortnite players? How do I convince FIFA players? How do I convince, well, maybe FIFA can't. How do I convince GTA player, Red Dead Redemption players that are 20 to 30 years old? How do I get them on here? That's a big question. Yeah. Um, all right. More or less interested, Brad, what are your final thoughts for this company? More interested for sure. Um, I think this is a lot more interesting than any of the other publicly traded um, video oh, video game vendors. Hey, you're, hey, you're talking about video game. <laughs> yeah, except for EA. EA yeah. is just wow, what a company. But yeah. but actually, uh, I, I am more more interested in Roblox after after listening to this. Me too. Um, I just. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's holding me back. Like I am more interested. It's a wonderful business um, all around. There's just like a part of me that's reluctant to own it right now. And I, I really can't put a finger on what that is. And maybe it's just like, you think it's because like, you, you have no interest in the product? 
Potentially. Yeah. Maybe if I had a kid that was like spending all uh, spending way too much money on it, I would understand. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the holdup is. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Ryan, you do love companies that you, uh, that you, uh, use in your daily life. Um, True. I that for sure. But I think we do understand that kids love this. So I, I think the holdup is something different. I don't know why for me, I'm more interested. I've lo- like since the S1, Ryan can attest, I've been following this company, but I don't know why I've just been sitting here sucking my thumb. Like there's something, uh, maybe it's just the age up thing. I'm not confident. In. I'm more interested. And I think it's possible they climb the wall of worry and age up over the next decade. But I don't know. It, well, at the current valuation, it's a bit of a concern for me, but it's one of those, it's on, it's near the top of my watch. Okay. Here's, here's a theoretical. Let's say you knew for sure that they weren't going to be able to age up, that uh, it's like mainly going to be like 16 year olds and below. What cash flow multiple would you be willing to pay for that business? 30. No, no, no. Uh, that might be a bit high. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a large market opportunity. Yeah, and they, but they already have most of it. At in least US in the US and Europe. US and Europe. Yeah. Uh, I'd say probably like 20 because there is a lot of uncertainty about, uh, I don't know, how lucrative is it right now, 16 year olds in India. And a lot of people, you know, uh, a lot of kids outside of the US and Europe don't have the free time, you know, to spend two hours on, on their phones. I don't know, Brad, what do you have thoughts on that? Well, well, China is, I mean, they have that restriction now. And, you know, if they're growing a whole bunch in Asia Pacific, there's the China risk. um, And I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like you only get one hour on the weekends, one hour a day on the weekends to play games. Yeah, I don't know. It's something fairly restrictive like that. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of parents in the U.S. would like to uh, like to have that. That ability, but yeah, it is very punitive, if that's the right word. Brad, what are your thoughts? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, not, nothing to add um, in addition to what you guys have already said. All right. All right. Uh, well, our stock for next week. Yeah. Yeah. We are going, uh, we're going into my portfolio for next, for, for next, or two weeks from now, um, into the world of American cannabis. And we are going to do Green Thumb Industries. Um, so one of the uh, trades off between the second and third largest player in the industry. Um, one of the strongest balance sheets. Uh, I'm extremely biased, so I'll try to not be too much of a cheerleader when we do it. Um, but yeah, looking forward to uh, talking through it. I'll uh, I'll try to be your contra. I'm gonna pick Green Thumb apart. I'm just gonna come up with all the lowlights. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've covered we've covered a, a few. Well, actually, the day after this comes out, or excuse me, the two days after this comes out, we're gonna have Weed Map CFO Arden Leon. And we've, that's like an ancillary cannabis company. We've also done Grow Generation, which is a retailer that's focused on the hydroponics slash cannabis industry. But I think this is the first time we've, we'll be doing a pure play. Um, so that'll be interesting. Very fun. Um, all right. That's going to do it. Anything else, guys? Nope. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, remember, sign up potential multi-baggers and check that out. If you can, give us a review on Spotify or iTunes, easiest way to help the show. And it takes less than five minutes to do as well. You know, the guy that gave us a bad review on Peloton, um, maybe that took a little bit more than five seconds, but it's all in good fun. <laughs> um, remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients make securities discussed in this podcast 
Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.